We are live here at Newport Folk Festival. My name is Carmel Holt, and you are listening to Shiro's on the Talk House Podcast Network. And we're here with my old friend, my dear friend, the amazing the partner Natalie, in crime, Natalie Merchant. <laughs> Thank you. Natalie, for the warm welcome for the steamy welcome. Yes. When was the last time you were here? I uh, just figured that out. I think it was 2000. Year 2000. So what album would that have been around? Uh, well, actually, we were just touring the folk material for House Carpenter's Daughter. Oh, wow. You guys remember that, right? <laughs> on this show, we focus on the experiences of women doing the job that you do so very well, and you've been doing for a while now. And I thought that we'd start today just by talking about how you got started. Um, when did you first know that music was something you were going to pursue professionally? I didn't know that until I'd already done it a few years. My mother kept on saying, um, every time I'd come home from a tour, she'd say, did you put your application in at the Super Duper? <laughs> so it was several years. I think it was after I was on the Johnny Carson show, my family started to stop hassling me about being a checkout girl at the Super Duper. And you were on the Johnny Carson show when you were still in 10,000 Maniacs, right? I was. Yeah. I think I was 20, mm -hmm. maybe 21. So what was it like at that time for women in the music industry? Mm, lonely. Lonely. It was lonely. Mm. There were no, um, no technical people that were women. And often when I went to do interviews, they were male um, TV hosts and male DJs and no producers, no engineers, no. I had a female lawyer once I, well that happened after I, I left 10,000 Maniacs. I hired a female guitarist. I hired, um, half my management team was female. I hired a female lawyer. So I kind of changed it. And then eventually I had a woman for my A&R. And, and then just sort of took it from there. Was that intentional? Was that in response? Very. Okay. I was like, I'm tired of being the only woman in the room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's an isolating feeling. Yeah. I got treated like the little sister, which was, you know, nice, but patronizing. Mm -hmm. It was nice to be protected, but sometimes I felt like I wasn't as well respected. So when did that start to change for you? Uh, when, when I became a solo artist, mm -hmm. when I was 30. So that was 1995 when the Tiger Lily album came out? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Iconic. I just got chills when I said that. Because it was so long ago, and you actually have <laughs> A conscious memory of it. We can't. I can't even do that math. Uh, how long ago was that? Well, you just did the Paradise Is There thing, right? Well, I didn't just do that. Well, that, well was that was okay. In six 2015, years ago? baby. Whoa, time. What is time? <laughs> time is. What is time? Time is racing. Time is racing. Okay. So at that point, it was the 20th or 25th anniversary. I, I can't do that. The 20th. Okay. Yeah. 20th anniversary. Yeah. yeah. So that was also uh, the second year of the Lilith Fair. Was it? Yeah. You were part of that. I was. I played every show. What was that experience like for you? Did you get something special out of being out on tour with all those women? I did. I got to see some phenomenal women perform, like Sinead O'Connor every night. 
and you know Sarah McLaughlin, of course. But I, I made friends with Queen Latifah. Yeah, we hung out a lot, and um, Sky from Morchiba. There were there were some really. Um, Emmy Lou Harris was there, and Bonnie Raitt. I remember Bonnie Raitt standing next to me backstage, saying, "I've waited my whole life for this." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was very exciting. It was exhausting. And the thing that a lot of people don't know is um, there's lots of money raised for women's charities, especially for breast cancer research on that tour. So. And that was a, you know, that was kind of a, um, a festival that succeeded in spite of, right? In I spite mean, of what? In spite of men saying that it wouldn't succeed. Or, or well, it probably wouldn't succeed today because be excluding yeah. someone were really, yeah including everyone all the time. But at that time, it felt really important that women you know, distinguish themselves. And, and something that we all realized when we were out there together is we weren't in competition with each other. Yeah. And that's something that the industry fosters with their stupid award ceremonies and their, you know, their charts and things like that. But all of musicians that I meet are just excited to meet a kindred spirit. I mean, I've been doing it all day. I just, you know. I just was hanging out with Rhiannon Giddens and Marcus Mumford and <laughs> and everybody's just, well, we're also happy to be alive yeah. <laughs> after the last three years, but also yeah. to be in each other's company again and playing music and, you know, we share something in common, whether we're male or female or, or you know, any other gender identification. Right. Well, the scarcity complex is something that I've talked to a lot of women about and um, I, I've talked to a lot of women who have been doing music since you know since the 80s and the 90s who talk about it like it's in the past tense but then i talk to women who are doing music currently who speak about it as if it's still a very present reality maybe not so much as it was but it's still an issue and i wanted to kind of float that over to you and see what you've observed and what your personal experience was well you know i've been in a U a very unique position the last 20 years because I've just um, come out occasionally when I needed to or wanted to yeah. because I was more focused on being a mother and I think that's something that not too many men take a 20-year maternity leave <laughs> you know so um, I think that a lot of women do kind of drop out for years when they raise their children and come back um, I, I don't know I see I see lots of women out there making music I don't I'm not the best person to ask. I live under a rock in a forest. Right. In <laughs> upstate New York. <laughs> I don't go to metropolitan areas or, or, or read you know, music press or anything. So I'm, don't ask me. I don't know. Who was the first person um, that was making music that you looked to and saw yourself in and you saw the possibilities? Like another woman that you were like, oh, there's somebody that I can finally identify with. Yeah, when I was five, Mary Travers, mm. who probably walked across this lawn um, many times. Yeah, Mary Travers, um, I loved folk music. My parents listened to lots of folk music and, and she just seemed like a very soulful, pure woman. I don't know, just seemed like someone I would aspire to be if I were a musician. Mm. What about your journey in terms of your um, presentation, how you present on stage? Um, you've always been somebody that I've admired in terms of 
how you dress. I'm, I'm very frumpish. I, I like that you don't play by anybody else's rules. I'm, I'm the librarian. Yeah. And that's I've great. Always, well, I kind of wish when I, when I was younger I hadn't played the librarian quite so much. I could have been more of the sexy librarian <laughs> when I was in my <laughs> 20s. But I was so afraid of people seeing me as the sexy anything that I was like, no, 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 no. Can you expand on Give that? Give me the cardigan. Ex ex expand on that, please. I want that, that hem has to be you know, below the knee. <laughs> no, I wanted to be taken seriously for what I was, you know, the, what I was creating. And I also could I could see ahead yeah. that um, you know, there was definitely a parade of women going before me that had, uh, you know, I mentioned this to you the other day. It's like they had an expiration date stamped on their behinds the minute they made their first record. And I just didn't want to be like that. I wanted to be a musician not a pop star. Yeah. How was that received by those around you? With great frustration. Mm. Yeah. How did you navigate that? I'm very stubborn. <laughs> but you know, on some occasions they were right. I mean, some stylists, when they held up a dress that I was like, mm, I can't sing about child abuse wearing that dress. I was like, but I like that dress. I would like to have that dress, but, you know, and, and those were different times, so different before the whole music industry collapsed. There was just money everywhere, big budgets and, um, you know, lots of designer clothing coming in and out of the dressing room <laughs> that I said no to, that, you know, it, it could have been more exciting. And I said no to lots of film opportunities and things like that, that, you know, maybe I shouldn't have been so prudish, I don't know. Couldn't imagine having sex in front of other people on a with a camera. That was just not your vibe. Well, it could have been Brad Pitt, so I don't <laughs> know. You have my regrets now. It's not too late, Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> it's too late now. Honey. But uh, when I was 22, it wasn't too late. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think about the cover of Ophelia, and I think uh, you didn't really miss anything at all. You were so, I mean, you were, you are so beautiful, oh, you know? So that. beautiful, right? <laughs> Can I get an amen? <laughs> I did this benefit of a couple weeks ago in, um, at for this arts organization in the Hudson Valley, and, um, and I was, you know, different, you know, what do you call it when you put yourself down? Oh, um, denigrating yourself? I was denigrating myself. Yeah. And, um, and I heard this voice say, shut up. Shut up, you're beautiful. And it was Annie Leibovitz. Yeah, and yes. then for the rest of the show, she just kept kind of like coaching me through, like, you're beautiful. Stop it. <laughs> this gives me a perfect segue. And you know, as, as a radio person, segues is my thing, uh, is our thing, I should say. Um, aging as a woman in the music industry. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that? I am. Do people wanna hear I about am that? Throwing that <laughs> I'm throwing that over to you. Talk to us about um, it's what? I mean, no, yeah. you don't have to be in the music business to be having, who, raise your hand if you're having trouble aging. <laughs> All right, arthritis. Yeah. You know, hair loss. I'm not suffering from the loss of libido, thank you. <laughs> but. 
And actually, something I talk about with my friends all the time is I'm having the best sex of my life because yes. finally, yes. I'm not worried about getting pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> so like liberating. I, I, I get to have those feelings that men have. Right. Of like, I don't have to worry tomorrow about this. That feeling of the expiration date being stamped on your ass, I think, is what you said. Or <laughs> I didn't say ass. I said behind because I said thought behind. the FCC would be down on you. This yourself. is a podcast, baby. Okay. We can say whatever we want. Let it fly. I think I did. I think I just said I'm having the best sex of my life. Oh, good. Great. But you didn't. You, so far, you have not cursed. I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, Natalie will let the F-bomb fly. Oh, don't out me like that. Oh, come on. It's fun. It's only, I learned it from my mother. <laughs> my mother swore like a sailor. She did. It's supposed to be healthier for your um, nervous system to use profanity. Yeah, I believe that. 100%. There's lots of research yeah. supporting that. Oh, does that mean we're done? Uh, we have 10 minutes. Oh, okay. We have 10 minutes, yeah. So, aging. I thought we've covered that. Have we have we covered that? <laughs> <laughs> have we? Have you had other Well, one thing I'll say is if yes. I were, you know, Joyce Carol Oates, people don't give her a hard time about being over 30. And um, I'm sure there're plenty of architects and photographers and I don't know why it's this particular field. Maybe it's because it's a projection of the audience that they want to, you know, feel like they're staying young forever be because that's a fallacy. We're all going to age and die. If we're lucky, we'll age. But at the end, we all die. Can I start my own cult now? Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was really fun. Everyone's sitting cross-legged and yep. me just saying, every <laughs> one, one of you, you will die. <laughs> but come with me. <laughs> I will show you. It's not painful. I'm making lots of whistling noises. I'm trying to prevent there. there yes, we are. We are right on the Newport Harbor here. Oh, it's a blessed breeze. It is a blessed. Oh, breeze. it's a blessed breeze that's blowing today here at Newport. Well, um, I hope that I'm not blowing your cover by saying that you are in the midst of working on a new record. I am. That was the right response. I'm so proud of us. Um, at long last. At long last. Yes, my daughter went off to college, and I thought it's either nervous breakdown or new record. <laughs> <laughs> has your creative process changed at all? Or I'm sure that it has over the years. Like, what aspects of it have gotten easier, and what aspects of it are still hard? Um, well, it's always been easy for me to write music. Mm -hmm. I can sit down at the piano and write. 10 songs a day, but it's the lyric writing, and that's still agony. So that hasn't changed, unfortunately. That's all I got to say. That's all I got to say, okay. No, I think the production end has gotten easy for me mm -hmm. because I've just done it so much. I think Leave Your Sleep was like a baptism by fire. Mm -hmm. I worked on that for a year. It was a double album. I recorded with 135 different musicians wow. and probably 20 different genres. And so if someone comes to me with a Theorbo or a Pipa or a Ilian pipe, I know how to deal with it. It's like, I've done it. Yeah. I've done a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And this last record that I'm working on, um, this most current one, I've decided to uh, do everything in um, workshop settings. And we've been just, we had a core band, then we brought in strings, and then I'm bringing in woodwinds and brass. And uh, my good friend Avana Kumsen Davis is going to sing on two songs. She's phenomenal. Resistance Revival yeah. chorus. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. So I, I actually, I'm just having lots of fun. I'm not stressed out about the recording. And I'm, the last, ever since I became solo artist, I, I front, um, I, you know, finance my own records. And then I just deliver them to the record company. And I have a relationship with Nonsuch that has been going on for 10 years, maybe longer, 12 years. And um, they just trust me. And I just call them when the record's done and then they put it out. So wow. that's a luxury. That is a luxury. Yeah. It's like an art, talk about an artist focused label. It's incredible. Yeah. They are great. Yeah. And self producing is something that is um, sometimes extra important for women because men are often the ones in that chair. Um, I was wondering if that was the case for you, if that became extra important for you to be in con creative control in terms of producing. Yeah, I definitely wanted to be the person in the chair, but also I have a very egalitarian approach to producing. I really ask everyone in the room mm -hmm. for their contributions mm -hmm. and don't act like I have all the answers mm. and um, don't really boss people around unless it's absolutely necessary, which doesn't seem very often because I've, I really seek out people who I can trust their aesthetic impulses. The other thing I wanted to make sure that we make time to cover um, is your activism, which has been basically intrinsic and part of a very important part of your art since the very, very beginning. Yep. Can you speak to us about some of the things that have been important to you and have found their way into your songs throughout the years? Well, I've done a lot of environmental advocacy and lots of um, work with children and women's groups. And so I'd say the most important campaign that I worked on, and I actually I devoted more time to my activism and mothering than I did to making records for the last 20 years. Um, we were able to stop fracking, to get fracking banned in New York State. And I worked on that, came, I worked intensely on that campaign for three years. And we made a film called Dear Governor Cuomo that addressed the governor of New York because he had the power to create the ban. Um, and then after that, I worked for a long time on um, domestic violence. And I produced a film about domestic violence in the Hudson Valley. That was ex excruciatingly painful. How come? Oh, because I was living this blissful ignorance about the reality of it in my own neighborhood. And then I went to a V-Day event. Mm -hmm. um, and I walked in the door of the venue, and there were 25 cardboard life-size cutouts of people who had been murdered in my county mm. as a result of domestic violence. And um, I was just in shock. I didn't know. And oftentimes, those crimes aren't categorized as, um, as domestic violence. Mm -hmm. So I went back and did more research, and we, we did a requiem to the people who had been killed in the Mid-Hudson Valley with a string quartet. Mm. And I found the special 
victims prosecutor for the county and, and the adjacent county. And I, had, I interviewed them, and then I had them in the film, and then they came to the concert. I had a woman whose aunt, who had been shot by her husband mm -hmm. in front of their children. I had her in the film talking about the crime and the loss of her sister. And mean, meanwhile, I had a, a young daughter who I was trying to shield from all this that I was um, finding out about. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was intense. That was a couple years, and it was a dark place. So after that, I started working with children. And I've been teaching children and working with children for the last four years. So. And soon that's going to give way, right? You're going to be doing another. I just okay had a meeting yesterday with the Chicago Symphony about yeah. the, the children's music that I've been writing and doing in a kind of incubator with Head Start yeah. um, for early childhood. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, of doing um, like instructional videos and, and fun videos based on the music that I've written. Natalie Merchant, um, it has been such a pleasure to do this with you at Newport Folk Festival on Shiro's. I think I maybe would maybe just close with asking you, what are you most looking forward to in this next chapter of oh, your I thought career. you said we can say the next couple days. Oh, um, well, we yeah. can do, we can, <laughs> let, let's do that, too. Well, I was really disappointed that Mermaid Avenue was canceled mm -hmm. um, because of, you know, one of the, the crucial organizers and musicians got, co his children got COVID. So and you were part of that original yeah, album. I was part of the original album. Mermaid and was, Avenue, yeah. I was sort of the old-timer legacy artist that was like, I remember my belly bag and Wilco. <laughs> Fine, young man. <laughs> and I was going to, to do that on the stage, but um, nope, maybe, maybe next year. But, but it's been fun because I thought, well, why, why am I going if I'm not? And then suddenly all these invitations have come to do collaborations. <laughs> yeah. Which I heard is the spirit of the, that the is event. The, that days. is the spirit. That is what we come here for. And I think they're all, are they all secrets and surprises? And we're not about to talk about them. Is this my manager, Elizabeth Penta? <laughs> Tell you one thing? Am I allowed to? <laughs> I'm doing something tonight. I'm doing two things tomorrow. Or three things tomorrow. Yeah. 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 There. Just don't miss any of the collaborative <laughs> sets, okay? <laughs> no, that they're all so special and secret I can't even can't even divulge the details. <laughs> uh, what are you most looking forward to in the next chapter of your art. Well, there's this album that will be coming out eventually that I've just called Keep Your Courage. Yeah. That is these songs that, and it'll be the first time I put out a completely self-written album in nine years when it comes out. <laughs> and then I've also been spending time in Italy working on a collaboration with an Italian band of um, adaptations of an Italian poet's work that I, I really love. So. Going to Italy is, is really exciting and 
the band is really fun and I'm learning Italian and <laughs> it's life. an excuse to go hang out. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Food and wine. Yeah. <laughs> Natalie Merchant, thanks again for being here for a show. Thank you. This has been Shiro's Live at Newport Folk Festival. I'm Carmel Hole. Thanks for hanging out, everybody.